right, hello, and welcome to a supplemental episode of the Town Alone Podcast. I'm your host, Adam, and with me, as always, my co-host, and uh, the man, the myth, the legend, the notebook carrier himself, Michael J. Regan. Michael J. Regan, how are you doing today? I'm great. I'm amped up for the uh, the bonus episode of the pod this week. The bonus under, under over? That's a weird way to say that. The bonus over under podcast. Uh, so I know you have a, uh, something to get to here, but I did want to lay out what the podcast is real quick here. Mm-hmm. Basically, we sat down a week ago and said, all right, let's on the pod talk about five over-unders and five other future bets for the NFL season that we like. And it quickly came to our realization that it was too much for the regular podcast and required its own supplemental podcast so we released the normal sunday edition of the town alone podcast yesterday and then sat back down today to record a supplemental over under and future bet specific episode so i have five over unders and five future bets mike i don't exactly know what your count ended up at same all right there you go so that's it we got 10 bets we're going to go through today uh supported by facts and figures that never mattered anyways uh mike you had a rant yeah, so earlier today, Stephen A. Smith on first take decides to say that... Who was on crack? Yeah. Decides to say that he had a source, and he knows that Stefan Diggs wants out of Buffalo. He's lost faith in the team, and uh, he would prefer to be able to leave as immediately as possible. So since then, Diggs has... First thing he tweeted was, 100% not true. I don't know what this source is, rolling eyes emoji. I thought I nipped this shit in the bud already. And then after that, he had tweeted uh, something along the lines of, I think it was like, uh, running with my dogs, Bill's Mafia, through and through, red heart, blue heart. Okay. Stephen A. Smith. Congratulations on all that you do. I wish you and your new first take partner, Shannon Sharp, the best of luck. You guys can, you know, yuck it up about how much of an asshole Skip Bayless is. We all do that. Even if we haven't met him, we like to laugh about how much of an asshole he is. Wait, hold on. Shannon Sharp's on first take now? He's going to be the new uh, first take. The new Max Kellerman? Yeah. And since we want to... Oh, you know what? Yeah. And since we want to go ahead and just uh, make up reports that aren't true, I'll just go ahead and say he's on first take after Stephen A. Smith ousted Max Kellerman. Let's go ahead and run that drama. Because Stephen A., here's your talent. You are very good as a TV personality. That's what you do. You make talking about sports entertaining for people who are unemployed watching ESPN at 10 a.m. or sitting at a bar at 10 a.m. watching ESPN. You're not Wodge. You're not Schefter. Okay. You're not dropping bombs. So don't go on air and just say shit that's factually inaccurate. And this is just so aggravating because whenever a team with high expectations comes up short, the media is so fucking bloodthirsty to find any star on these teams and start creating drama and false narratives that they're angry and want out. And the best part of it is those same people in the media who want to try to make this shit up and make it happen are the same people who are then going to go on the air and say that X player is selfish and a diva for wanting out. Okay? So they're trying to create people to attack and stir up bullshit drama. All right, this was all over and settled. Diggs isn't going anywhere. He got asked, you still want to retire a bill? He said, absolutely. 100%, sir. Okay? And he, here's just like a crazy thought. Maybe, just maybe, after there was emotions running high and frustration, 
after not only did the team come up short of their lofty expectations, but also um, they watched a teammate almost die on the field four weeks prior to their elimination. So maybe it's safe to say that emotions seemed like they were running high and there was more frustration than there really was. But everything's fine. Diggs is fine. Allen is fine. And Stephen A., stop going up there with your bullshit saying you have sources. You don't have any sources, okay? You have no sources. You never have. And on top of it, you are one inconsiderate comment away from basically being Skip Bayless, all right? Your whole brand is going on TV and making totally crazy hot takes and saying them in a loud, big way to make the internet go, oh my God, and to get another me made out of you. All right, but don't go stirring up bullshit that's been dead and buried for a while. And with that, I yield the rest of my time to the senator from Connecticut. I was uh, Googling many men acoustic version. (laughs) Uh, I mean, you know, I hate... I hate to take the opposite of you because we are obviously best friends and life partners. Um, But aren't you kind of getting baited? Isn't this what he does? Doesn't he go on TV to say this so that people like you will get upset and then tune in to see if he has to apologize? I'm not going to. I haven't watched First Take in years. Then how'd you see it today? It came across. uh, I saw it because I saw Diggs uh, responding to it. Mm -hmm. And then how'd you see the video? Where was the video on? I didn't watch the video. Then how do you know what he said? I saw the quote. That was his exact quote in an article that was taken from first take. I'm not going to watch the video. I'm not going to listen to his podcast. (laughs) What was the the groundbreaking groundbreaking journalist, Stephen A. Smith, who I did go to his Twitter. And one of his most recent things is on his like YouTube podcast or whatever was him saying, I'm just going to say it. Taylor Swift is the greatest. Groundbreaking news. Thank you, Stephen A. That's a weird one for... Stephen A. to take the popular side of. I mean, I, I mean, like I said, right, he's made a niche for himself. He's basically a brand now. All the other talented people have left ESPN, so he kind of runs the place. But I, I get frustrated because you're digging up drama that is in turn just going to cause shit that could distract a team that's trying to get ready for what should also be another season of high expectations. So leave my team alone. Leave my superstar alone. So just to clarify... You don't think Stephen A. Smith does anything. But you also think that he's powerful enough to distract the Bills from winning games. Don't go poking holes in my logic right now, because <laughs> I'll come after you next. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm, you know, don't want to be called a Skip Bayless. Do you at least agree that... I mean, I understand the media has to find something to talk about when sports end. But I do feel like there is a poignant attempt made to try to find some superstar that they can assume is angry and wants out. They're bloodthirsty for it. Ever since the T.O. drama, they want it. I think someone probably did tell Stephen A. Smith this, but I don't think that there's a high level of journalistic integrity on first take. I don't think he had to confirm it with two sources. I think that, like, someone at Bill's camp, like, maybe Stephen A.'s, like, fucking tight with can't even name anyone that just came to the team this year who's getting snaps behind Diggs. Maybe, I mean, maybe he's tight with Gabe Dave, and Gabe Dave wants to stir up shit to get more targets or something. The only thing Gabe Dave needs to stir up is his own production. <laughs> Everybody, everybody's on, is in the firing range today. I'm fired up. I'm hot. We got a bonus episode happening today. I'm, I'm feeling it. I just finished my eight-hour workday, so I'm drinking coffee. Yeah. I just finished recording 
4 p.m. Pro Wrestling Podcast. All right, Mike, speaking of Pro Wrestling Podcast, you want to start our podcast or do you want to talk more about Stephen A. Smith? We're no. almost 10 minutes in to our bonus episode now, by the way. It's all right. Bonus episode has no time limit. We're going the, all day. That is all not night. true because I still have to edit it. But uh, the only thing that stayed in so far is me bringing up the mini men acoustic version. Hey, before we get to... um, there What? What? Oh, no, what? This is, this is gambling related, so it kind of is a nice that segue. Not, no, get it out of your fucking mouth. Tell me. Go on. So, would you, real quick, guess who is the current betting favorite for Coach of the Year? Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Coach of the Year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to go with... Uh, let's see. I mean, if if I wanted to, to put smart money on it... Um, Frank Reich. Nope, not even the top five. It's Dan Campbell at plus one thousand, followed yeah. by Peyton and Arthur Smith at plus fourteen hundred. And then I knew it had Eber- to be a new guy. There had to be yeah. a new guy in there. Do you say? Then, were you about to say you weren't about to say Eberflus, were you? Yep. Rounding out the top five is Eberflus and Sala at plus sixteen hundred. Ooh boy, this podcast is going to get spicy. Then here in a minute, yeah, it's going to get yeah. Stephen A. Smith levels of spicy in <laughs> just about forty-five minutes. Let me tell you. And then uh, a funny thing is that current favorite for comeback player of the year. Uh, well, I'll put it this way. The second favorite is Tua at plus 2,000. The favorite is Damar Hamlin at minus 285. <laughs> <laughs> what does what does he have to do to not win that award? He, he would have to, like, get cut and not play in the league this season. He plays one regular season game. He's comeback player of the year. Right. If It's he like when Alex died. Smith won it. Like, Alex yeah. Smith was bad coming back from his leg injury, but he won it because he didn't lose his leg. Yeah. Like, if DeMar Hamlin gives up 16 touchdowns and only plays two games, he'll still win the Comeback Player of the Year, right? Absolutely. <laughs> also, nah, never mind. It, <laughs> when did Comeback Player of the Year turn into the injury award? Like, did it used to go to players who had, like, a down season and then bounced back? Yeah, like, Peterson was, like, one of the first big ones because he came back from that but HBO. even that, like, credit where credit's due. He had an awesome season. Yeah. Alex Smith had a bad season, and we gave him an award for it. This isn't the like, Lady Bing. You can't just give it to whoever the fuck you feel like. I feel like, really, we should have given it to the doctor for saving his leg. I've always thought that we should have given some award to the doctor that stabbed Tyrod Taylor in the lung. <laughs> At least Herbert does. Yeah. Like, Herbert owes Tyrod Taylor, that doctor, like, a quarter of an MVP if he ever wins it. Yeah. But he won't as long as Brandon Staley is fucking coach. We'll get more to that as the oh, podcast. You, you got Chargers on. futures? You got Chargers uh, futures a little bit? No. You got a little bit Chargers really... futures? No, but look at it. All right. All right, Mike. So. Coin? Oh, yeah. We can flip a coin. Um, Here's a, a dime. Mm. You want a bigger coin? I have a nickel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Prefer a nickel? Actually, no. Thomas Jefferson, dark pass. So let's go with go with the dime. Who the fuck's on the dime? Woodrow Wilson? No. It'd be hilarious if it was Truman. Because I'd be like, oh wait, never mind, never mind. <laughs> Are you sure this isn't Woodrow Wilson? I'm pretty sure. Oh fuck! I dropped it anyways. We're flipping the nickel. All right, flip the nickel. Can you Google who's on the dime while I'm doing this? <laughs> I was already doing it. Okay. All right, Mike, you going to call it in the air? Tails never fails. Oh, it's it's FDR. Oh, there you go. You, ca- you called Tails? Yeah. There, let's see. Yeah. I can't Fine. see that. 
No. Well, it was tails anyways. Nice. <laughs> I was trying to reveal it on camera. <laughs> All right, Mike, feel free to go in whatever order you want to here, and I will follow your lead. We can start however you want and go from there. I have mine ranked one to five by my favorite to least favorite. Well, I guess it was just my top five, but I have, I have, I have like number one as my favorite, and then I also have the same thing for my futures bets. Okay. I didn't really rank them because I'm such a betting genius that all of mine are basically locks, so they're mm -hmm. all my favorite. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I'll kick it off. My first over-under, the New York Giants. Seven and a half uh, is the wait, win wait, wait. total. Wait, wait, wait. Where did you get that win total from? Vandal. I have it at eight and a half. Did it, up, did it get updated? Might have gotten updated. Yeah. I'm looking. I'm looking. You start talking. I'm looking. Well, last time I checked the odds... Uh, which was last night. They were minus 104. Actually, I didn't double-check that odds, so it have been earlier this week when I originally started this portion of my notes. Minus 104. I'm taking the over, all right? They're 9-7-1 in 2022. Now, the big question about them is obviously, well, they have questions on defense and offense, which is to be fair. But they're going from seemingly having not enough weapons to being pretty loaded. Barkley's coming back. Hodgson's broke out. Jalen Hyatt is coming in. Oh, what's that? A healthy Wandale Robinson has joined the chat. Also, not a big thing, but like a good number four receiver, Paris Campbell joins the team. Oh yeah, Darren Waller, best tight end Daniel Jones has ever had. They were 16th in points four last season, and now they're going to have all these weapons. Defenses has question marks, but you still got solid front four with uh, Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams. You got year two, Kayvon Thibodeau, strong cube, uh, cornerback duo and Aaron Robinson and Adoree Jackson. They lost Julian Love. Very good safety, so that hurts. Uh, but they signed linebacker out of uh, Indianapolis, Bobby Okariki, who I wasn't familiar with, but he does have the fourth highest win above replacement <laughs> of linebackers, just to try to find a stat to uh, fit my argument. Uh, I think they have a lot of very winnable games, which would be they got Arizona. Now, this is the f uh, fifth hardest schedule, to be fair. But they have Arizona, two games against Washington, Sorry, Vegas, uh, New England, the Rams, and Green Bay, which I still I think between the two teams, that's very winnable. So that's seven very winnable games. And then winnable ones, uh, more 50-50, they got Dallas twice, Seattle, Miami, the Jets, and the Saints. Saints I almost put in very winnable, but I decided to go with that. I think they're better than Dallas. I'll get more on them later. Uh, spoiler alert, but I see an easy, pass to, easy path to eight wins there for them. If that, if I'm still correct at seven and a half. Yeah, you are. I looked it okay. up seven and a half. Awesome. Rebuttal? With the um, uh, so currently the seven and a half, it's juiced to the under minus one eighteen. Oh, it moved. People must have must have heard what I was writing. Well, you said I over think. at plus, at one hundred four, right? Yeah. Yeah, the over oh, still one hundred four. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, okay. The under's juiced to one eighteen. Um, so I was gonna go in order here from my number five bet all the way to my number one but you know you make plans and god laughs uh i have my number three future bet new york giants under seven and a half at minus 118 but uh -huh. <laughs> uh, so i have i have a list of arguments here right um some of them i i can't quite disagree with yours i like darren waller a lot i think that they do have a solid defense but uh for starters daniel jones that's the argument. Sharp. Daniel Jones, you're betting on another good Daniel Jones series season? I mean, come on. <laughs> Brian He's, Dable. Yeah, that's great. 
I mean, like, Daniel Jones hit his 99th percentile outcome last season. That was the best we can see Daniel Jones be. And you're betting on that two years in a row. You're betting that improvement sustains. I'm betting his weapons around him and a good offensive-minded head coach will be so average Daniel Jones, who doesn't freak, like freakishly turn the ball over, will be good enough. Um, I will say that uh, looking at some of the PFF charts for their, their annual QB list, they do have him making marketed improvements and avoiding mistakes. But that is the only thing he is above the 70th percentile in. He's like middling at everything else. Secondly, they made no additions to this team. I mean, no significant additions. They re-signed Saquon, but outside of that, there's no major players who came in. So I'm betting on them not hitting that same 99th percentile outcome with Daniel Jones. So here were their three big offseason additions. Amani Awarie, Bobby McCain, who I watched Bobby McCain, and I am not a big Bobby McCain guy, and Paris Campbell. I would argue their top three receivers and who their top three are listed on their depth chart are Darius Slayton, who is a 69.3 receiving grade, Isaiah Hodgins, 75.8, which would be their top grade receiver, which puts him at 25th overall. Their number one receiver is ranked 25th. And Paris Campbell, who has a 61.2 receiving grade. Then behind that, you have Jalen Hyatt, who's unproven, if we're being honest, and Wandell Robinson. It's a who's who of the smallest human beings on earth catching passes. So my pushback on Wandale is that he got hurt last season right at the time where he was starting to cook. The game he got hurt in, he was at nine catches, 100 yards. He was really starting to get going. Yeah, he's smaller, but he has really good instincts, fast playmaker. You know, he's he's not going to be he's more of a get the ball to me and kind of let me make some plays after the catch i'm a big fan of wendell robinson i have him on my uh all transfer portal team which oh, is nice. a little a little uh foreshadowing for a future article but i think i think wandale back healthy uh might surprise you i've been dynasty nice nice pick um <clears throat> And then it's so funny that you made the schedule argument. I think the schedule is such a great reason to bet the under for them. They play the NFC West, which means they're getting San Francisco. They're getting Seattle, who's a good team. And they're getting a comeback Rams team. I mean, Arizona's a free win. But the Rams with a healthy Stafford and a healthy cup, that team's going to be better than we're expecting them to be. They're also playing the AFC East, who you might be familiar with as having potentially three playoff teams as well as Bill Belichick. Uh, they also have to play the Eagles and Cowboys twice, which is ridiculous. You said the Giants are as good as the Cowboys. The Cowboys are far and away better than the Giants. The only thing that the Giants have that the Cowboys don't is a coaching advantage. I think they're... I Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they win five or six games. Are you ready for my next one? Because it actually ties into a comment you just made. Well, um, I wanted to see if you had any rebuttals there before we move no. on. Uh, I will agree going into making my argument. The thing I was most worried about was like, oh, that is a tough schedule. But I think some of the games on that schedule, I think will be easier than you do. So that's probably the reason for the difference in opinion. Can I also admit to you something now? Mm -hmm. I picked, I picked the Giants under, and then I was going through and doing research on the rest of their roster. And I was like, nah, this roster is so middling. It was dragged up by uh, Dable it was dragged up by what might be Saquon's last top five running back year. 
It's got no, none of these free agents in here. It's got a good solid defense, but not an, not what I think is going to be a contender for top 10 in the league. And then I was like, and now the easy part. Let's look into Daniel Jones. Honestly, a lot of what Daniel Jones did played out pretty well on the advanced numbers. That's why my entire thing is that he hit the 99th percentile outcome. I mean, you look at any like charting and advanced stuff, it's like, fuck, did he get better last year? Like the only real points you can you can say like, well, he wasn't very good at this, is he's like too quick to try to ditch the pocket and he doesn't throw outside the numbers in the intermediate very well. And that's all I could really find that I wanted to to ding him on. Um, I did have a point. Oh, I will give you the like, defensively. I like their front four. They got some good pieces and I like their, some of the pieces in their secondary, but I will say that like, they were like constantly ridiculed for poor linebacker play last season and they didn't do anything to fix that. So. All right, Mike, you got a, uh, your next, your next over under here, your next bet. So instead of doing it over under, I'm going to do one of my future bets because you mentioned a comeback Rams team. Rams plus 1,000 worst record in the NFL. Ooh. I don't have anything with odds that long. Yeah. Well, I mean, you should know who you're talking gambling with. <laughs> yeah. uh, five and 12 last year. They had no cap space, no first round pick to make any significant additions, in my opinion. All they have is a broke Stafford, Cup, who's getting older, and Aaron Donald, who's older. They had they did have the best rushing defense last year in the league, uh, complemented with the twenty second passing defense, twenty fourth in pressure uh, applied. Despite the fact, can that I were, uh, can yeah. I interrupt you here for just a second? Then you should be ecstatic that they had such a bad passing defense. They got rid of some of that dead weight. Who they got rid of? They got they traded Jalen Ramsey away. They got rid of the dead oh, yeah. weight weighing down their defense. Oh, <laughs> yeah, then he goes to Miami talking shit. <laughs> But they have a middle of the pack schedule. Uh, they're not like I think they were like third or I think it was like third or fourth. Maybe I have to double check. They weren't super far down the list. Obviously, Arizona's the runaway favorite. But if I want to make a like a long shot bet on worst record, I, I like the Rams. I like the Rams. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't have a ton to counter that besides Sean McVay, Cooper Cup, and Matt Stafford. I mean, that's kind of the the long and short of it. Those are three assets I would want on my team. Um, Aaron Donald also. I don't think that they are a 10-win team. I also don't think they're a 5-win team. I think we see them probably go 6-11, and 11, something in that range. So I wouldn't want to bet them for worst record, but it's not, you know, I guess it's not unfeasible. It is unfeasible because they're going to beat Arizona twice. Yeah, so I originally was going to try to make an argument on them getting over their win total and part of it was going to be like i mean you want to bet against sean mcveigh cooper cup and aaron donald <laughs> and then like as i looked more into it i was like eh, they're not going to get over that win total and then i decided to go long shot and go with them being the worst record i wouldn't be like i don't i don't know stafford's beat up man so i just don't know if yeah, he's yeah. going to be able to make the whole season and then we could see more like john wolford or whatever they don't have baker mayfield to bail him out again and help lead them to a 5 and 12 record yeah, remember when Baker Mayfield kicked the shit out of the Broncos on like New Year's or on Christmas? Mm-hmm. What a day! What a day to be a football fan! What a day! You got any other um, any other notes there on your Rams bet? Any other thoughts? No. Who else is in contention there? Do you have the the odds up? I'm I just pulled up FanDuel. I'm looking for him now. 
So I actually pulled up on Roto World because I couldn't bet that here. So Cardinals oh, okay. plus 340, it. Texans plus 900, Bucks plus 950, and then you get into the Rams at plus 1,000. Okay. Can I um... – wait, Bucks are number two? Number three. Who's number two? The Texans. Oh, okay, yeah. Bucks are better than that, too. I wouldn't want to bet the Bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, I just pulled up the uh, draft odds while I was searching for this prop. Um, so here, I, I there's, you can only bet two things right now for the 2024 NFL draft. One bet you can do. Number one overall pick, Caleb, Caleb Williams versus the field. Caleb Williams is minus 330. The field is plus 220. Then if you want to bet... Number uh, one overall pick, just general. Caleb Williams minus 330. Drake May plus 450. Is there a world that Drake May, or that Caleb Williams isn't the number one pick and also Drake May isn't the number one overall pick? An unlikely world. Yeah, I'd say that. They're, yeah. they're going going into the season, they had the most spotlight on them, expected to be battling it out for, for number one. Isn't that, doesn't that kind of, like, couldn't you see a world where McVeigh's like, I got an old Stafford. We should tank so I can get Caleb Williams. No, I think that like with all the McVeigh retirement rumors, what I think is much more likely is that we see a world in which McVeigh goes, "I hate losing. I'm retiring midseason." That boy's. I, I remember like the rumors being that after the Super Bowl he might retire, and I was like, "Isn't the dude like 35?" Yeah, he's. I think that this is the first year he's not the youngest coach in the NFL, or maybe mm-hmm. he still is. That's a baller move. Like just dominate cash out bro down before you're even 40 uh yeah sean mcveigh for the seventh consecutive year is the youngest head coach in the nfl seventh consecutive year by the way sean mcveigh's 37 yeah he he accomplished way more than i did before 30 and he's gorgeous and he's rich so i I think i hate him the yeah the only way you can get revenge is go coach the la rams after he quits can we win two super bowls can we add, like, best-looking coach to the end-of-year NFL awards? Yeah, I don't see why not. Yeah. I'm going to call Goodell and do that. Um, But then just every year Frank Reich's going to win. No. <laughs> Bill Probably Belichick? Not. Oh, God. Andy Reid. <laughs> he's got a, you know... uh, Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't you ever had, wanted to have sex with someone who looks like Kansas City? He's got. A, he has like a like a charming Santa Claus quality to him without the beard. <laughs> Would you make him tell you that you've been naughty all year? You know what? Let's just move on from this conversation. Uh, my turn. Yes, sir. So my number five over under. Uh, I'm starting to realize how much of a pessimist I am. By the way, um, I have the Tennessee Titans under seven and a half at plus one oh six. Not my favorite bet, obviously, as I put it at number five, but with plus money on it, I like it a lot. So, first off, you have an aging Tannehill and an injured Will Levis, which means that if either Tannehill misses action or they decide they want to build for the future, we might see a good chunk of Malik Willis, um, depending on how long Will Levis is out. Otherwise, we'll see a chunk of Will Levis, which is equally as dissuading if I'm a Titans fan. You have an aging Derrick Henry, and I know I've been predicting the downfall of Derrick Henry since he got drafted, but eventually the man has to fall off. I do like their secondary, um, so that's an argument in their favor. Um, Sean Murphy Bunting, who's a really good coverage back. Amani Hooker, who's a really good coverage back. And Kevin Byard at their safety spot, but he is hitting that 30 zone. Um, 
which, yeah, you know, whatever, threshold bias, but getting up there in age, um, although there's more longevity at safety, and they play the AFC North. So there's probably three losses for them against Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Cincinnati, um, and even Cleveland, who's supposed to be a pretty good team. That could potentially be four losses off the bat there, and then they have to play Jacksonville twice, which I think Jacksonville is a much superior team to there. Now, uh, they they have been pretty good the last few years uh, and probably outperformed their projection under, um, under Mike Vrabel. But I just don't see this team hitting those same numbers. I mean, like, even looking at the receiving core, like – Traylon Burks had some good moments last season, but this is the same guy that was getting benched in, in preseason because he was having asthma issues. And behind him, it's like Bobby Trees. Is that still their number two receiver? I believe so. Yeah, so there's just not much there outside of Tannehill and Derrick Henry and uh, a middle in defense. So Titans under 7.5 at plus 106 is my number five bet. Yeah, seven and a half does seem like I'd push back if that was at like six and a half because I mean, I think they'll get like I think they can beat. I don't know if you specifically pointed this out. I know Jacksonville will probably beat them, but like Houston and um, Indianapolis, Indianapolis, I think that would be four wins for them. But at seven, at trying to get to eight, I don't, I don't feel good about that. So yeah, they I, went I like seven and ten last year, and notably last year. Uh, Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill were both a year younger. Yeah, and I don't feel like the team is much different. So, um, In a game between the Tennessee Titans and the Indianapolis Colts, where the Titans are starting Anthony Richardson and the Colts are starting Will Levis, who wins that game? Wait, other way around. The Colts are yeah. starting Anthony Richardson and the Titans are starting Will Levis. Who wins that game? dead air i know i'm sorry that's a, that's a tough one that's like such an evenly matched uh uh you know dumpster fight not that like i both those quarterbacks could develop into something good but even will love us eh. but like <laughs> R- R- richardson i could see him making like in that game making a couple of just like freak plays and then accidentally making a big mistake at the end and they lose the game by three points do you think that there will ever be a Colts quarterback who makes a bigger mistake than Carson Wentz throwing multiple left-handed interceptions in a season? Now, has there ever been a quarterback that was like believed his like own hype more? Like that dude still thought he was like the shit. I feel like it's so weird because he didn't have any of the swagger. He kind of no, just but, like Prince Harry. But you got to think very highly of yourself if you're just going to start dishing out left-handed passes. Yeah, isn't that one of those Mahomes things that everyone loves? God, this guy is damn pedestrian. <laughs> this guy knows how to throw with the wrong hand. Look at him go. <laughs> All right, Mike, you got a you got a future bet for me? I do. I got an over under that uh, you're not going to agree with, but I'm going to try to sell you on it. All right. Mm-hmm. Your hometown, the Bears, set at seven and a half. Mm-hmm. I'm going over at minus one twenty two. And you're probably thinking that's crazy. They went three and fourteen last year, Michael. You think they're going to get five more wins? I do. The biggest question: Do you believe in Fields? Eh, I believe in him probably more than many. 
But they got him another big-time target. Traded for stud wideout DJ Moore, all right? Which is nice. Hopefully that helps the passing game. The other thing is, they had the 32nd, uh, or I should say, I'm sorry, they had the 28th-ranked defense, despite having the 32nd-ranked passing offense. How did you do that? They were the first-ranked rushing offense. And instead of just resting on their laurels, they dipped heavier into that. They signed Big Nate Davis from Tennessee, who's an excellent run blocker. They got Kyle Herbert there. They moved out the scrub, David Montgomery, so Herbert will be more involved. Khalil Herbert. Khalil Herbert, sorry. Uh, Number 10th overall pick was a 6'6", 335 um, lineman, Darnell Wright, out of Tennessee. You may have heard of Tennessee. They led the FBS with the best offense out of 133 schools last year. All right. They signed Deontay Foreman, who, when you look at the numbers, bit of an underrated running back. Had a very good season in Carolina last year. All right. They, their defense, rough last year. But, man, did they bolster it, you know? Uh, I know they lost Rokon Smith. Oh, no, Rokon Smith is gone. Rokon Smith is gone. How about we bring in a little Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards, the fifth and sixth graded linebackers from last season per PFF. And who was the number one graded linebacker last season? Oh, wait. Was it Rokon? No, Rokon was like two or three. Number one, I think, was was Warner, San Francisco. Uh, They signed Demarcus Walker, who had 32 quarterback pressures last season and seven sacks. They also snagged themselves a little Yannick Ngakwe to get some more pressure on the quarterback. They got the ninth easiest schedule. All right. I'm sitting here. I'm looking at the schedule, and I see see winnable games in Green Bay, Detroit, and Minnesota all twice. They can beat Tampa Bay. They can beat Denver. They can beat Vegas, Washington, Carolina, Cleveland, Arizona, Atlanta. I just named off 14 games that I see as winnable, and I can believe they can go eight and six in those 14. The Bears. Um. All right. Well, let me start by just posting this in our little chat here. If you'll open up the podcast recording chat window. Oh, this is your notes on Wider the Under? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we'll just get into this here, and we'll have a a big old Bears discussion. Uh, My number two bet was the Chicago Bears under 7.5 at plus 100. Um, I really believe in the the NFC North. I really believe in the Green Bay Packers. Um, I think that Green Bay, Detroit, and Minnesota are all going to be better than the Bears. And even if you want to pretend they're going to snag a couple of those wins, they're still going to go two and four in that division probably at best so then if they go two and four that means out of the other 11 games they have to win five that's kind of a hefty ask for a team that won three games last season in 17 games um they drafted darnell Wright. i'll give you that i like darnell Wright. he seems to be like the real deal insane athlete at tackle uh, they built their defense a lot through the draft. So they got uh, Gervon Dexter, defensive lineman out of Florida. They got Tyreek Stevenson, a cornerback out of Miami, and Zach Pickens, a defensive tackle out of South Carolina, all in the are all on day two of the draft. Um, but they only won three games last season, and the most significant players they added were DJ Moore and two linebackers. Two very good linebackers, and Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Linebackers still. Linebackers the running back of defense. Yeah, but, oh, wow. That's harsh. Okay, Mike, the top-graded linebacker last season was Bobby Wagner. Mm -hmm. What team did Bobby Wagner play for last season? He wasn't in Seattle still? He was on the Rams Super Bowl team. 
Oh yeah, and then he he signed back with Seattle this year. Okay, fair enough. You got that right. Um, <clears throat> Seattle, not notably a great defense last season, even with the top-rated linebacker. You mean the Rams? No. Oh, he was back in Seattle last yes. year. Yes. Oh, you you had me confused. I'm sorry. Um, <clears throat> but here at its core, and I've highlighted it in green for you on this little picture because you said the opposite of it. I don't believe in Justin Fields as a passer. He had the 24th ranked passer grade by PFF, the 17th ranked by QBR, which is a stat that notably favors quarterback rushing still, 25th by passer rating, and the most important thing on this entire list, and the reason I believe that people are buying into Justin Fields despite not having the production to show for it, he had the 6th rank in fantasy points. There is a large discrepancy there, and that is the gulf between what people are talking about Justin Fields as. Justin Fields has not proven himself as an NFL-caliber passer at all, and I don't see a team with DJ Moore and Chase Claypool and Darnell Mooney being able to push him over the hump into being an NFL-caliber passer. So... First of all, I apologize for interrupting there. I just, I'm contractually obligated whenever a Notre Dame player is on a team to mention them. That's why I said Cole Komet. Um, so I like DJ Moore. I think he's like a top 20 wide receiver. And also I like that, you know, this team, a little bit of a throwback. They're going 83 Dicka, baby, okay? They're they're beefing up, building the defense. They're going even heavier on to be able to, uh, you know, run the ball. I mean, I see a path to eight wins. Let me ask you this question. If I gave you, if I put Bears... Beats and Battlestar Galactica. Bears do once again lead the league in rushing yards at minus 100. Would you take it? Uh, No, I would take the team that won last year, Atlanta. In yards? Yeah. Didn't they lead the NFL in yards last year? Uh, That's a negative ghost rider. I'm pretty sure Chicago. Was it really? I can find out real quick. I would have 100% guessed Atlanta. Atlanta ran the ball like it was the 1960s. Uh, by the way, I just looked it up. Top-rated receiver on the Bears uh, is DJ Moore. You said top 20 wide receiver? He has a grade of the 32nd wide receiver. Which means oh. he is the lowest-ranked... Well, one of the lowest-ranked number one receivers. And behind multiple receivers from several teams... Now, now to be fair, to be fair, <laughs> he was in Carolina last year. Not okay. a great passing situation to be in. And the Bears are a great passing team? To be fair, that's a good point. <laughs> Since you're proving me wrong, I just want to throw out that I was correct. The Bears had the most rushing yards at just over 3,000. The Falcons were third with 27-18. Did the Bears play two extra games or something? No, they just ran the ball like crazy. Fields had a thousand yard yeah. rushing. Season. It was it was Fields. Fields Fields running the ball really pushed him over. I think the maybe the Falcons had the most rushing attempts. I don't know there was something there. The Falcons ran the ball a shitload. Uh, but yeah, I you're, you're I, at its, they had the most rushing attempts. Yeah, I I at its core do not believe in Justin Fields. I also don't necessarily believe in Matt Eberflus. Um. But that's less the the reason I'm betting the under. Just that I don't believe in Justin Fields as an NFL passer, uh, to the chagrin of all my Bears fan friends. That's uh, 
I mean, if you're making your argument about why they're going to hit the under, that is the leading point. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I think kind of similar to the Giants from a year ago. What has to go right for the Bears to win eight games? I feel like Fields has to hit his like 99th percentile outcome as a passer. If the rushing attack is the way it is last year. When I they won three games. To, yeah, but I think he just has to get marginally better. to get Marginally. To marginally better to win five more games. Exponentially better. Yeah, that's it, right? It's five fucking games. That's so many games. They have to more than double their win total from last season. And what's the counter-argument? Like, did Detroit get worse? Did Minnesota get worse? Like, the only team in their division you can argue that they could leapfrog is the Packers. And the Packers offloaded Aaron Rodgers, who had a thumb injury all season and couldn't throw the ball more than 15 yards. Can I cut in with breaking news? Yeah. Colts allow Jonathan Taylor to seek trade. Oh, shit. You think he's going to go to the Eastern Rockets? I like it. I think he's actually going to the 76ers. Yeah. For, uh, they're going to trade James, James Harden. Harden for Jonathan Taylor. How stoked would Maury be? He'd be like, this guy actually wants to show up and play. I know, right? We offered him $12 million and he was over the moon. I like the idea of Taylor just constantly getting called for travel. He just tucks the basketball yeah, starts, running. starts running. You can't do that. Oh, man. Someone, someone get that Bleacher Report show, Game of Zones, on the phone. Let's get oh, them yeah, animating. They- they finished up, unfortunately. You're done. They can come back. Didn't they have a football one, too? Or is Game of Zones the football one? No, that's uh, Gridiron Heights. That one's still gone. Yeah, let's, let's get them Let's get them back animated. Let's get them doing a James Harden in Gridiron Heights crossover. Uh, whose turn right. is it? Because I, I, oh, I just did the Mike under turn. argument because you did the yeah, over. All right, Mike, you're, uh, your next bet. I swear to God, if you bet the over on another bet, I have the under. I might here. Next bet. Got plus odds on this one. Philadelphia Eagles, 11 and a half. I'm hitting the over at plus 104. All right. I think there's been way too much. This is being swayed by the fact of, oh, no, they lost uh, They lost Jonathan Gannon. They lost uh, Shane Stinky Dinky. Like, it doesn't matter. Okay. Uh, have you looked at the track record as an offensive coordinator of a little guy named Nick Sirianni? Very good. All right. Luck's massive comeback year. That was Sirianni. He took an old man, Phillip Rivers, to have a good defense or good offensive play and got to the playoffs. Hell, he led Jacoby Brissett to a 7-9 and record as offensive coordinator. And that was a season where people were like, yeah, Jacoby Brissett, kind of frisky. Um, So he's a very good, I said defense, you know what I meant. He's a very good offensive coordinator, and I don't think it's going to be a problem, the loss of Stinkin. All right. And they have the 10th hardest schedule. But you know what? I don't care. This is a team that is top to bottom, one of the best built teams in the NFL. The only reason they lost, I think top to bottom overall, they're, they were a better roster than Kansas City. But if you put the roster side by side, you would circle three things that are the difference. Superior quarterback in Mahomes, superior tight end in Kelsey, and superior slash much more experienced coach in Andy Reid. And that's why they won that Super Bowl. Uh over Philadelphia. Their defense, I mean, obviously, let's start with their offensive line. It's just one of the best in the league, and that one's coming back. Their defense, some slight changes. Like, yeah, they lost Javon Hargrave, which is a bummer. They replaced uh, 
Gardner Johnson with Terrell Edmonds, which is a pretty lateral move. And they lost TJ Edwards, but they went out in the draft in the second round and got Nolan Smith, great linebacker out of Georgia. He's going to come in and fill that spot. All right. They have, like I said, 10th hardest schedule. But I would just like to throw this out there. This could be a hot take. Well, first of all, they start out New England, Miami, Tampa Bay. So they're going to start out 3-0. Nice start. They get two games against Washington, New York, and Dallas. I know. It's the NFC East. Those games can get weird. But, you know. Yeah, I will point out Washington was the first team to beat them last season. Yeah. Those games can get weird. But I'm going to go ahead and just steal another Bill Simmonsism and say, Kyle, turn the TikTok camera on, okay? Philadelphia is a step above all three of those teams, including Dallas. If I could bet on it, if I could find a book on it that said Philadelphia goes 6-0 and in their division, I would take it. They also have games against Rams, Cardinals, Jets, Seattle, and Miami. And then when you look at the fact that all their hard games, they're good enough to be in those games where if they get a couple of them, they're going to get over 11-5. This team was, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, they were 13-4 and last year? 14-3. and 14-3 last year. Their offense with that amazing offensive line is super dynamic. Okay, They lost Miles Sanders. They bring in a little DeAndre Swift. You can argue how good he is, but he's super dynamic. You know, they got Kenneth Gainwell. They got a Rashad Penny to slam it in. Great wide receivers. Uh, I just can't talk enough. I, I, I think this. I think it's crazy that the uh, the over is plus odds. Yeah, and I will point out the over um, has implied odds of forty nine point zero two percent. So it's not that extreme mm-hmm. of an outcome um, based off what it's used to right now. Uh, Fourteen and three last year. So you're betting on them not losing three extra games basically correct they uh pff hasn't projected at 10.2 and uh warren sharp sharp football analytics hasn't projected at 10.87 wins uh so that's an average of 10.535 so you're basically betting on them winning a game and a half more than those two guys had them projected what i will say is some things that seriously work in philly's direction are one Despite an attempt to, they did not outlaw the tush push, which is Philly's most potent play. I yes. mean, the <laughs> the the QB sneak with just everyone pushing Jalen Hurts' butt is maybe the most effective play in football all of last season. Outside of that, Jalen Hurts is an extreme positive player when it comes to success rate because he's just a train. I mean, he just moves through everyone when he takes off and runs and they have two of the best wide receivers in the league, maybe like the best wide receiver room in the league, or at least in the conversation of it. What does work against them though, is the loss of Shane Steichen (laughs) as much as like Jonathan Gannon, who fucking cares, right? Like Jonathan Gannon called his, his defense and getting a more dynamic defensive play caller in there might, might be something, but Shane Steichen was the play caller, and Nick Sirianni did a good job when he was just the OC. But his first season in Philly, when he was calling plays, they were not as successful as when Shane Steichen took over. Because Shane Steichen took over, if you don't recall, uh, Mm -hmm. at the beginning, or maybe midway through 2021, beginning of 2022, sometime around then. And the offense markedly improved. Yeah, I mean, they were, that first season with Philadelphia, they did finish eighth in yards, or I'm sorry, offensively they finished 14th in yards and 12th in points, so around middle of the league. And that was before they got AJ Brown. It is worth pointing mm-hmm. out. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, Jalen Hurts last year, um, passing grade 80.6, rushing grade 84.4. I 
fucking love Jalen Hurts. He's one of my favorite players in the NFL. Uh, I agree with you that he's also that the Eagles' entirety of their roster is also a full step above anyone else. And the other thing I do want to point out here is, I know that conference is weighted just a hair more now that they've added the extra game because it's an extra in-conference game. But if you say the Eagles are the 1A in the NFC, is there anyone else in their tier? Like, are you putting San Francisco in a tier with them in terms of of roster quality and performance expectations? Yeah, I mean, the... uh, I had it pulled up here, but I think it moved it. The two of the three best defenses last year were uh, Niners were number one. I think the Eagles were number three in a lot of the statistical categories. I forget who's number two. It escapes me. Uh, so they're like right Probably up there. Dallas. with one of the best. Uh, I don't think it was, but. Oh, the, I, I was thinking just NFC. This is, this is full league. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, but I can look that up and get back to it. Uh, one thing I do, I think they're right up there. Like I think, the Niners also have overall one of the best rosters top to bottom. Um, I do think you are one thing to keep in mind. Brian Johnson was the quarterback's coach. So he was in the system. I think they're going to run a very similar offense. Your one argument could be, oh, maybe, you know, might not have the same like kind of instincts or way to read what the best play is going to be in a situation as someone with the kind of experience that Stinkin had being OC in the NFL for four years. But I think it helps that they got someone from inside familiar with Jalen Hurts and the scheme that is going to best suit him. Um, it's worth noting also that we don't know who's going to be calling plays this season. Uh, Nick Sirianni has very publicly talked about how helpful it was for him to give up play calling duty. So there's a chance Brian Johnson's doing it. I, I think the best comparison to what we're looking at here is the Bills last season with the transition from Dable to Dorsey. It's a, a you know a similar passing of the guard. So I think that we could see a universe in which the Brian Johnson transition uh, to play caller could be pretty seamless, but that would be my worry. Um, the other thing I want to point out is just looking at their schedule. If you want to say the NFC East does get weird, the advantage that the uh, – the Eagles have here is that they get Washington in week four, which will be Sam Howell's fifth game as an NFL starter. Um, and then they get New York in the uh, week 16 and week 18. So if Philly's run away with a division, then the only thing you really have to worry about there is them not needing to play starters against New York in week 18 or potentially against Arizona in week 17. But I think that if we're, if we're talking, they don't need to play starters in week 17. We don't have to worry about them hitting the over on 11 and a half. So just uh, um, add information to the previous point we were talking about. So last season, PFF graded the Jets number one, 85.3 uh, for, for overall defense. Niners, 84.1, and then the Eagles were there at 84. That so tracks. Yeah, they were a .1 grade away from the Niners last year. All right. Well, the, we just spent a long time on the Eagles and Bears, so... Uh, Mind if I jump over my next my next over under here? Mm-hmm. All right, my next over under. I have the Miami Dolphins under nine and a half wins at minus one ten. I don't know how I would feel about this bet if that was juiced further to the under, but I like it at minus one ten. I like it at the uh, you know as close as you're going to get to fifty fifty on Vegas books. 
so it's really the value there. So we're we're talking about them not improving year over year. And I get the counter argument to that is that if you're betting on Tua staying healthy, which like as a statement seems like, a, well, that doesn't seem like a good bet. But in reality, injuries aren't predictable. They're not something that you can rest your hat on happening or not happening. They're random. Even something that has like a higher reoccurrence potential, like a collarbone or a concussion. But my my biggest argument here is that it's not you're not just betting on Tua's health. You're also betting on Tyreek and Jalen Waddle's health because I think if any one of those three guys go down, especially if you talk about a season long injury, then there's no chance that they hit their over on this bet. This offense is so siloed. I mean, I remember looking at the stat a while ago, so forgive me if I if I misquote it. But I believe 50% of their passes went to either Jalen Waddle or Tyreek Hill. So that means that you flip a coin, and half the time they're throwing it to either Tyreek or Waddle, and the other half of the time they're throwing it to literally anyone else. So you're talking about an injury to one of those guys being significant. And then you can factor in the Tua injury potential. And then, if I am not mistaken, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, I know for a fact, signed somewhere else. So, their current backup quarterback is... Oh, tell me it's Skylar Thompson. Oh, Mike White. Their their current backup quarterback is uh, Mike White. Who, you know, is a backup quarterback in the NFL. I'm not going to put any higher stipulation but I it's not Teddy Bridgewater it's not a guy who who can come in and be a a mid-tier starter high quality backup guy it's just a backup Mm. quarterback the other thing about this is that they have a pretty hard schedule the uh according to sharp football analysis it's the third hardest schedule they have the AFC East obviously so that means they're getting the Bills twice the Aaron Rodgers led Jets twice and Bill Belichick twice. They have they're playing the NFC East, which means I know you have your doubts about the Cowboys, but they're getting the Eagles twice and the Cowboys twice, which are tough games. And they have the Chargers on their schedule, which is another tough opponent. I remind me real quick. Go ahead. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, no, go ahead. I just wanted to I just wanted to say remind me real quick, what was the win total again? Nine and a half. Okay, thank you. I uh you know, they, they, they made some some small additions on the margins here here and there. They didn't lose anyone of overwhelming significance, and they did bring in Jalen Ramsey, who I like a lot. But we're really reliant on an offense that's siloed through three guys for this offense to work. So, they have to play the Bills, obviously, like you said, twice. The Jets have arguably, if not number one, one of the best defenses in the league. So those games, no matter what Aaron Rodgers' level of play is, will not be easy. I mean, Belichick, you can never cannot count out. He, he tortured Miami for years, so he could just be in the head of the, the organization, whether those players were there or not. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree with a lot that you said, just as far as they, in a lot of positions, they're like a key injury away from things going south fast, uh, including Tua, who is just, you know, it's just such a big question mark with the injuries we saw last year, so... Yeah, I, 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 I like this one. All right, Mike, your next bet. Speaking of them, since you just mentioned that I'm down on them, the Dallas Cowboys. 
This is probably this is my longest over under bet. Uh, nine and a half wins. I'm taking the under at 132. They finished 12 and five last year, so I'm thinking they're going to lose three more games. Reasons being, outside of pressure, where they ranked very high from a PFF grade standpoint last year, everything else they were average to below average. And can we please stop with the Trayvon Diggs talk? This dude is ranked is graded 10th in coverage on his own team. All right. He's either going to make an interception or he's going to get burned on every play, which is the way it is. Dak in 12 games last year, 23 touchdowns to 15 interceptions, not a good ratio. And I feel like ever since that injury, there is just a aspect to his play that I feel like isn't there the way it used to be. So I just, I worry about Dak plus, you know, as much as we joke about the cliche injury, bro. Um, and is Tony Pollard, really the guy coming off an ACL injury? Is he really the guy? I think last year he benefited from splitting time with, with Zeke and being the change of pace back in some ways, even when he started really ramping up his carries. I just, I can't, you can't sell me on Tony Pollard leading the backfield and being a guy. I mean, just keep an eye on Deuce Vaughn, 5'6", 176. <laughs> Electric running back, six-round pick out of Kansas State. I have a feeling by late in the season, there's going to be fans in Dallas saying, let Deuce cook. Uh, their offensive line to go to this running situation is not the stalwart that it once was in early Zeke years. It's still good, but I feel like it's been declining over years. And considering the Philadelphia where I was like, calm down on losing coordinators, they lost Kellen Moore. He's a good coordinator. And now you're left with mouth-breathing Mike McCarthy, and they brought in Marty Schottenheimer as the new offensive coordinator, who I'm not exactly sold on. So... I think losing Kellen Moore is a big hit. I mean, even I often say that when you watch the games, sometimes it felt like like statistically Dallas will show up as having statistically a good offense most years. But when you look at the, for some reason when I watch the game tape, I feel like there's always like something that's not clicking with their offense in a lot of games. And that wide receiver group of Lamb, Cooks, and Gallup isn't bad, but I feel like one injury away all of a sudden, defenses can just blanket the ever-loving shit out of Lamb, and then they're going to be in trouble. Dalton Schultz is out, which he wasn't like a world beater, but I think he was a nice safety blanket at tight end, and they're going with TJ Ferguson, the rookie out of Wisconsin. 12th hardest schedule. They got games against the Niners, the Chargers, two against Philly and Buffalo. Outside of the Chargers, I think the other four are losses, and the Chargers could maybe... I think the Chargers could beat them. They got 50-50 games is what I put them at against... Uh, two against the Giants, the Jets, the Dolphins, Detroit, and Seattle. Plus, to go to a point that you made earlier that I'm actually going to use in my favor now, the NFC East is fucking weird. And I could totally see McCarthy and company sitting on their balls and losing a game to Washington. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm higher on Dak than consensus, I believe. Um, you know, he... Like you said, he had a lot of turnovers last season, but I don't think that that's indicative of him. I do feel like that was a lot of weird situations. I mean, he had a lot of tip balls go for uh, go for picks. I also just pulled this up real quick. He still graded pretty well by PFF. Uh, 72% overall on offense, 68.6% pass grade, which was his second lowest ever, but still like solid, you know? Um, his run gradient's up, but he just doesn't run the ball anymore, which really takes away from his efficacy. He's had a couple of bad pick seasons in a row, though, and that's what leads me to be concerned. In 2021, significantly more touchdowns. He had 
37 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. 2022, 23 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. But hitting double-digit picks in back-to-back seasons is not great, and I would be a little bit concerned about that. But I think that he's getting kind of underrated. I think that I think that Dak might be might be a big like comeback candidate guy going into this season. I, I'm with you on losing Kellen Moore. I don't like that, but I think that they have such a staunch defense led by Micah Parsons, and I think that they here. I just uh, pulling this up real quick here. Um, yeah, their pass rush ranked two in the NFL last mm-hmm. season, and I think that it's going to continue to kind of look like that, but. I, you know, they have Brandon Cooks on the team now. They still have C.D. Lamb, um, neither of which I think is the number one guy, but I think both could go for 1,000 yards. And they still do have an offensive line. Like you said, it is it is starting to age. So there's, there's something to be said about that. But I, you know, as long as they have Zach Martin and um, what's his face on the on right tackle? Uh... It's one of the Smiths. It's the the younger uh, Tyron. Smith. No, the other Smith, the younger one. Oh. <laughs> Tyron Smith's getting a little old too. Um, yeah. Tyron Smith's their left tackle. Their right tackle, uh, or their left guard is Tyler Smith, who's another like you know young guy who's playing pretty well. Which if you've uh, haven't spent your entire life watching Dallas games, let me tell you. First off, I'm beyond annoyed with Zach Martin and and Tyron Smith. But now it's extra annoying because they have three good offensive linemen. Um, Zach Martin, Tyron Smith, and Tyler Smith. So the left side of the line is two Smiths who no one can ever get through. And it's just obnoxious to watch. But no, I, I'm I'm believing in them slightly more than you. Uh, I, especially when it comes to, to Dak. Um, and nine and a half is not a hefty win total to overcome. Any further yeah, Dallas thoughts? I was gonna say they, they were like they were fifteenth in pass blocking PFF grade and then eleventh in run blocking last year. So they weren't like I said, they're still good. Um they're just not like elite like they were at one point. Yeah, and they're they're aging right. like we've we've covered a few times here. Mm-hmm. All right, Mike, I, I want to give you my number one overall over under. I still haven't even moved into my my other futures. <laughs> might be a might be a long pod. Uh yeah. so I have at number one on my list, and my only over, New Orleans Saints, over nine and a half at plus 114. Easiest schedule. Easiest schedule by both Smart Football Analytics and PFF. They upgrade Anth- Andy Dalton. I almost called him Anthony Dalton. Uh, and they, they upgrade Andy Dalton into Derek Carr, who is just a more competent passer in general. He doesn't have the peaks and valleys, but he's... He's a much steadier presence and led the NFL in deep touchdowns last year. Uh, they <coughs> they brought in um, Nick Saldivari. Sald- I'm not sure how to pronounce the last name. But they brought in this old lineman who played right guard and right tackle at ODU. Has a grade of 80.5 per PFF. So now they're really starting to build out their offensive line. They have... Chris Olave and Michael Thomas both still there. Michael Thomas, who's flashed in the preseason, and Chris Olave, who might be like the most competent wide receiver from last year's stacked wide receiver draft. Um, it could be a pretty good defense. They have a lot of turnover, so it's a little hard to tell. Uh, well, it'll take some some time to figure that out. But most importantly, and a key to why I think they're going to go over nine and a half, is the NFC South fucking sucks. Like 
Atlanta. They're playing Atlanta twice. Desmond Ritter needs to be another guy who hits like his 90th percentile outcome for that team to be competent. Even behind Bijan and Tyler Algiers and Kyle Pitts overdrafted ass. Carolina, who I I will sell, like I am shorting Carolina's stock. Like I am I am Steve Carell in the big short. I am trying to get off all of the Carolina stock I have, and I am buying short on it. You have a thought there? I see you about to talk. Oh, no, see, as much as I love Bryce Young, and even though his preseason hasn't been great, I stand by that he's going to have a great rookie season. I couldn't even make an argument for why they would have still hit their over this year. Like, yeah. What's right. their over under set at? I have it in my spreadsheet, but I'm not looking at it right now. I can pull it up. Yeah, Don't right worry. Um, no, I got my papers. Let me use my papers. Seven and a half. Uh, and it, damn it, I was just on it. One of my favorite things now that we uh, pull the video up and we record is seeing, like, while you're talking, I'm, like, over here flipping the pages <laughs> in my notebook. Well, I have six spreadsheets open. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, and then Tampa, who is currently in the all-time quarterback camp battle of Kyle Trask and Baker Mayfield. Dude, I feel so bad for that that wide receiving duo of Godwin and Evans. Like, they went from Tom fucking Brady to crossing their fingers and toes that Kyle Trask is better than Baker Mayfield. Oh, Scotty Miller. I was about to say you didn't mention Scotty Miller, who everybody was like, uh, skinny white slot receiver? He's going to go off with Brady. Yeah. Remember Gronkowski on the Super Bowl team when, when he just, like, showed up and was like, yeah, I'll play, and then had, like, a 1,000 yards in the playoffs? Yeah. Mike, honestly, given that division, what do you think the Saints go in that division? I think Carolina and um, Tampa Bay, they can get four wins right there. I think maybe they'll – they might – Desmond Ritter has looked pretty solid. Um, I think they can maybe split with Atlanta. So I'll say five and one. I like Atlanta's roster a lot, but you're still talking about like a pretty big improvement from Atlanta for them to be competent. So, yeah, five and one. They can go five and one or six and zero in their division, which means at that point they have to win four or five other games out of the remaining games. That's 11. They have to go like 5 and 6 in the remaining 11 games. They don't even have to hit 500 at that point to get, hit their over if they don't sweep their division. I love this Saints bet. I love that it's plus money. I mean, if we go to the um if we go back to the projections here, PFF has them projected at 10.3 wins. So that's easily clear in their over. That's almost clear in their over by an entire win. Sharp football is a little a little more bearish on them at 9.35. But if even if you average that out, it's 9.825, and that that once again clears their over. They're and it's just it's juiced so far to the over at plus one fourteen. They're under currently is seen at minus one forty. Yeah, so I was a little like there's two bets when I looked at the odds that really affected me. One, the Patriots, I think I believe both by Sharp Football and PFF, hardest schedule hardest schedule this season. But that means they're under odds seven and a half, but they were minus one forty two. So I was like, well, that for that reason isn't on my list because I don't like the odds because um, they're just you know lofty, uh, not lofty, but you know what I mean. Not interesting because it's definitely gonna happen i don't know what i'm trying to say anyway the other one was this one because i was like oh saints in in an easy division easiest schedule in the league like but then i looked at the odds i was like 
wait, why are they plus money? It makes me feel Vegas knows something I don't, you know? Like, cause yeah. it really, everything, everything you said is so true. Like makes, it's really weird uh, that they're plus money in this situation. Now I will say they lost a uh, Marcus um, Davenport. Yes. And that, that is, that's a good player. They lost um, one addition. I do like, I'm not sure if you mentioned, I do like bringing in Jamal Williams um, to kind of take some of the load off. Uh, Alvin Kamara, who's suspended Alvin Kamara. to start the season. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I like that move. I do think Derek Carr, much more steady hand at quarterback than an Andy Dalton. Uh, glad to see an early preseason presence from Michael Thomas. Hopefully he can stay healthy and get dominant again. Chris Olave, electric. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, that, I don't know why it's plus money. It's just so weird. Um, I do want to point out yeah. they play the AFC South also. So they're getting right. They're getting Tennessee at home. They're getting. Uh, they're going to the Colts. They get Jacksonville at home, and then where is Houston? They they go at Houston. So they're getting like that. They're gonna go three and one across that. I would bet they get Tennessee opening week. That'll be like really the the thing that shows. They also get the Patriots, which are the worst teams in the AFC East. I mean, you know, it's Belichick. So there's only so much you can say that they're the worst. But they get the Patriots. And they get um, – they're playing the NFC North, which, you know – I'm sorry, the AFC – yeah, no, 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 in the NFC North, which take your mileage on that. But I think that Minnesota's winnable, and I think that Chicago's a win for that. I mean, there's – it's an easy schedule. Yeah, and the South that you mentioned kind of worked out perfectly in that the tougher the two teams in the South, Jacksonville and Tennessee – they're going to have those at home and then the easy, like the completely easier two, they're going to be on the road, but that's fine. So, and here's, here's their coming. schedule coming off the bye. So their bye weeks, week 11 after the bye at Atlanta at home for Detroit at home for Carolina at home for the giants at the Rams at Tampa Bay and at home for Atlanta to end the season. Mm-hmm. That is a crazy easy stretch. I just like, I don't see a world in which they're not hitting their over. Someone's got to win that division. Yeah. All right, Mike, I believe right. you are up. Yep. So one of my odd of over-unders here, so, and I've covered one of my team futures. So my next team future is to go back to the Giants. I have them plus 172 to make the playoffs. I like those odds. Here's my biggest reasoning. Obviously, I covered my thoughts on the team earlier with the over-under. People, the East or the West sucks <laughs> compared to the East. So I have the South is only going to send their – division leader to the playoffs okay the north i think is going to be a dogfight, but i think they're honestly only going to send one to the playoffs and then maybe another could be in the wild card mix but i'm not sure uh the nfc west i think they could send to with the niners and the seahawks so then you go over here to the east which they have the chance to send three teams between dallas depending on what you think of them the giants and the eagles are going to win the division but come on there's seven playoff teams now there's three wild card spots. So the way I look at it, you know, they're going to end up competing with like, like let's say if you think Dallas is, is better than them, which y- you do. Let's say Dallas takes a, a wild card spot. Then they're going to, for those last two wild card spots, they're going to be mixing it up with like a Seattle, a Green Bay or a Detroit, maybe an Atlanta. Like I, a plus 172, I really like Giants to, to make the playoffs. You want me to go back through my Giants under seven and a half notes? <laughs> no, sorry. No, um, I'm with you on that. Uh, I have a bet I'll talk about here in a second that I think supports your argument. Um, I wouldn't take this bet because obviously I don't think the Giants are going to even win 
eight games, and that does feel like kind of a line of demarcation you would have to hit to make the playoffs in the NFC. Uh, I think that there's a lot of teams in that eight, eight, nine to ten and seven range. Uh, so there could be a lot of competition for that wild card spot. But that was the spot that the Giants occupied last season. They did make the playoffs in that second wild card spot behind Dallas. So it's. I was going to say it's not my least favorite bet on your list, but I would have to double check or go back through. Uh, maybe your Bears over is my least favorite bet on your <laughs> on your. Which I, I, I figured would be. No, I, I mean, like I said, not my least favorite bet. Not something I would personally take, though. I do not trust this Giants team a lick because of the Daniel Jones expected outcomes of things. All right, Mike, I'll give you, uh, I'll give you an option here. Uh, no, I'll give you an option here in a second. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and talk about my argument that I do think supports yours. Uh, on my, my futures, just general futures. I have the Seattle Seahawks to miss the playoffs at plus one hundred. The odds aren't as long as I would like because you are talking about a team that was in the playoff hunt all of last season. And who'd they lose to in the playoffs? Did they lose to San Francisco in the playoffs? Yes. Yeah, so you're talking about a team that was in the playoff hunt all season, made the playoffs, and then lost in the first round to San Francisco. But if we go through a similar argument that you made there, they're they're definitely losing their division. They're not winning their division. So you already have to put them in the wild card hunt, which is going to be a busy pack with the North probably going to one of those three teams and the other two teams being in the conversation. The East going Philly with Dallas and the Giants in the hunt. The West going to San Francisco and then the NFC South going to the Saints. But you're still talking about, at that point, it's like Seattle, Green Bay, Minnesota, uh, Philly, Dallas, or not Philly, Dallas, New York are all going to be in a rock fight to get there. So that's five teams competing for three spots. And I think that Seattle's left alone on the outside. Oh, so, sorry. I didn't, I didn't get through all my stuff here. <laughs> no, go okay. ahead. Let me, let me hear your thought. Let me hear your thought. And then I'll, I'll finish talking about it. I'll, I'll just go ahead and, and jump in here. Uh, you'll never guess what my next future bet was. Was it Seattle to make the playoffs? Seattle to miss the playoffs. Hey, plus let's go. Look uh, at the synergy. Yeah. com uh, stands united. So I'll hit a couple of my points. I don't think I have as many as you. Uh, subpar defense, subpar offensive line. Don't like either of them. I, subpar I, offensive line. I have their, their, their subpar defense. 22nd ranked last season by PFF. Mm-hmm. I don't like their offensive line, and I feel like it's never been good under Pete Carroll. And then the Geno thing. Kind of similar to your Daniel, Daniel Jones argument. People, two words I want you to remember. Statistically speaking outlier and variance <laughs> and you know i love the geno story it's great i'm not convinced that's him i think this is an outlier uh of the kind of quarterback he is um so i mean i think that could just be one of the biggest things and i, I mean i do like the drafting of jackson smith and jigba um dk tyler lockett we'll see if lockett can keep up with him getting older uh kenneth walker i'm a big fan of but he is coming off a bad injury so their weapons are solid, but I just don't see Gino having the same season. No, I totally agree with you. So, to but prior to the bye, he had a uh, an overall rating by PFF of seventy four point two six. Coming off the bye, he had sixty three point four four was his average rating after the bye. Mike, would you like to guess where that would rank him in the NFL if that was his r- grade for the entire season? 
Once again, that ranking, that grade post by was 63.44. 13th, 15th? 15th. Mm-hmm. It would rank him 42nd. Holy shit. Yes. So, Geno Smith, not a good re- grading coming off the bye. And played pretty poorly down the stretch. It's regression. Like, there's a reason that this Geno Smith season stood out so much. It's because it's unusual to see someone bounce around the league like Geno has and then just explode. He had a good start. They played easier defenses. He played out of his mind, but... He's still Geno Smith. <laughs> Beyond that, yeah. I, and I, go ahead. Oh no, I'm sorry. I was gonna the Geno thing. I was gonna jump in and say when you go back and look at all of his box scores last season, it is kind of very like, oh, Geno would pop off, and then there'd be some weird game. He had like 197 yards. You know? Yeah, yeah. And then uh, just to once again point out their schedule. There, they play the AFC North, which has three playoff competitive teams, arguably four playoff competitive teams. If you don't want to talk about the Steelers or Cleveland, depending on your mileage on either one of those teams. And they play the NFC East, which also has three playoff competitive teams. So that's minimum six tough games to be added to their slate. Maximum seven or potentially eight if Sam Howell turns out to be the second coming of Patrick Mahomes. I think Seattle also had a lot of those like weird games last year where you'd see certain teams just be like off and they just had weird games last year. You know, and I just don't see that. I, I think that leads into the, the variance of what happened. Well, yeah, you remember, I mean, they opened the season by beating Denver, which a lot of smart bettors took at the last second on that. But it was, at the time, it felt like a weird game. I mean, we, you know, we saw what Denver turned out to be. But it, Geno Smith outplays Russell Wilson is not something that a lot of people had on their bingo card going into the season. I did want to look up one other thing from last season while we're talking about the Seahawks. Yeah. I'm, I'm pulling up like, so yeah, they had that uh, doing the same thing. Denver yeah. game. Yeah. And then there's a couple other like weird ones on here. 48, um, 45 win over the lions. They had yeah, a 37, 23 like, win over the chargers. And I was going to point out that like the game against Arizona going into the season, you'd think that would have been a harder game, but then it turned out to be a cakewalk. Yeah. Yeah. They beat the Jets 23-6. to That is a game, I believe, that Zach Wilson um, – or, I'm sorry, that Mike White threw multiple interceptions in. Uh, yeah, and then they they lose 41-23 to the 49ers in the wild card round. Yeah, I, I, I don't see it with this team. And then my last point is just to go to your, like, point about down the stretch with Geno. I mean, you go down the stretch, they lost to Vegas, Carolina, you know, uh, some bad teams. Tampa Bay. Uh, how many um, – I lost to Tampa Bay down the stretch. Well, Tom Brady was still there. Um, so, since that was my other one, I'll let you go. Well, how many, how many do you have left on your list there? Two. Okay, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll go then. Um, <clears throat> my, my next one is the Packers to win their division at plus 350. Now, the, part of the reason I like this is because it's a little longer. Uh, but my counter-argument is, once again, like, are we sure that Jared Goff is going to be that good again? <laughs> like, if... I'm not. Yeah, it was it was an outlier season for Jared Goff compared to everything else we've seen for him, excluding a couple of the years right at the start with Sean McVay. So, 
there's there's two possibilities here. It's either Ben Johnson really is the next Sean McVay, and he's just that damn good, or we were seeing kind of an outlier season from Jared Goff. Probably his, yeah. So by by grade, he had his second best season all time, and the year before that in Detroit, his first year with Ben Johnson was his second worst season graded all time. So it was a jump and there can be a lot of explanations for that. The team did improve. The The personnel got a lot better. They ended up hitting on Aiden Hutchinson when it looks like they might have not early in the season. But I don't know how much I believe in the Jared Goff renaissance. Uh, I also want to, instead of ragging on Detroit, let's ask this question. Are we sure the Packers are going to be bad? Everyone is predicting the Packers' death, but they uh, <clears throat> they have an, an over-under set at 7.5, which would be two more losses than they had last season, with it being juiced to the over a lot. So you're talking once again about an eight-win team in the Packers, which I would have initially taken if it hadn't been juiced to 122, minus 122. So this is when I start to get into the, the way in the division. If... If we're talking who's going to win the NFC North, last season it was the Vikings. Do you think the Vikings are going to once again win as many games as they did? No. Yeah, they won a ton of one-score games. So those losses have to go somewhere. What if Jordan Love is good? I mean, honestly, like that. there's a young and high-skill team there that if Jordan Love is able to unlock, we're talking about a much better team. You know, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, uh you know, Aaron Jones coming back still, still, still in the conversation for, for a high end talent guy, Jordan Love, who's another young guy. They have young pieces at tight end. I mean, it's, it's a very young team, but there's a chance they really hit. And Matt LaFleur with his first three seasons was the first coach in NFL history to win 13 games in their first three seasons. Like Belichick didn't do that. Andy Reid didn't do that. Uh, Sean McVay didn't do that. Kyle Shanahan didn't do that. I don't think Kyle Shanahan's won double-digit games two seasons in a row, though. That guy's peaks and valleys. But so far, once again, small sample size, but talk about the hope side of things. Jordan Love is grading at 87.1 in the preseason. And last season, they did have the 12th-ranked offense with an injured Aaron Rodgers, who hurt his thumb in, like, week two or three? Like, he hurt his thumb early in the season. And just wasn't the same guy the rest of the year. Plus 320, you said, right? Yeah, plus 350. Plus 350. I love the odds on this. Because it is totally plausible uh, uh, of an outcome. I mean, Jordan Love, I initially went to the offseason. I think we had a conversation about it at some point, And I wasn't sold on him. But then when I went back and looked at his numbers, his numbers aren't good. But I realized that this dude's only appeared in 10 games only started one. He's only thrown the ball 83 times. He's kind of a question mark. We don't know if they've hit on love or not yet. So the jury's still out, which, I mean, I'd rather, you know, gamble on that at plus 350 um, compared to gambling on Kirk Cousins or Goff. There, I said it. Also, their, their receiving unit that everybody was like, oh, it's garbage. That's why Rodgers is bad. I mean, Christian Watson – Graded 77.8. That puts him in the realm of like a Mike Williams, a, a Tyler Lockett. That's not bad. Uh, Lazard and Cobb are also both in the 70s, which is good. I mean, it's not like top of the league or anything where guys are getting graded in the 90s, but um, it's still solid. 
And I, you know, they still have Aaron Jones, you know, I, I totally see a path for them to win that division. I said, I think that division is going to be a total dogfight. Yeah. I, the, the things that I'm really gambling on going into next year is I'm predicting the Detroit coming up short, the downfall of Aaron Rodgers and the ascent of uh, Jordan Love. Those are the three things that I really believe in going into this season. Ready for my next Ready one? Ready for your next one. All right. So, Pittsburgh Steelers, plus 260 to be a wild card team in the AFC. So, they went 9-8 and eight last year. We're just outside. The thing, reason why I like this, Mike Tomlin always gets the absolute most out of his defense. They weren't they, their secondary wasn't very strong last year. They added Patrick Peterson and whatever he has left. And I love the second round draft pick of Joey Porter. I'm a huge fan of that. So I think that's going to be a great addition. Pickett has looked good in the preseason so far. Pickett to Pickens, you know, you got, you got to love it. Um, they work to beef up their offensive line through the, uh, the draft and some free agent moves. Uh, and, you know, like I said, solid skill position players. Harris, Pickens, Robinson, Deontay Johnson. I I totally think this team was 9-8 and eight last year, and I think they're just on the path to get better, to get to, like, that 10-7 and seven range. Maybe, possibly, who knows, even 11-6, even and six, dare I say. And I think that could get them once again in a world where we have three wildcard teams that can get them in there. Uh, yeah, I... I honestly really do believe in Kenny Pickett. I know it sounds kind of dumb because that was like a really weak quarterback draft, but like Pickett's got this weird reputation where people talk about as a pocket passer, but he's like low key kind of athletic, right? Like he's not, not super athletic, but has the ability to move. And there's like a chance Pickens is one of the best wide receivers in, in the league. And you're kind of betting on Mike Tomlin there. And Tomlin is, has never sent us down the the wrong path. I mean, the guy just – he hasn't had a losing season as the head coach, right? Isn't that the, the statistic that people love to throw out there? Yeah. Yeah. And what were the odds on this bet again? Plus uh, 260. Plus 260? Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I just pulled it up. To win the North, they're plus 470. And I wouldn't want to take that bet. But at plus 260 to sneak into a wild card spot – beat out well beat out Miami and Denver that doesn't seem outrageous yeah Yeah. and so the names I was trying to remember were uh, Isaac Suamalo who has a solid PFF grade they brought him in at guard and they drafted uh, Broderick Jones at 14th overall to Georgia and also another like low-key addition to just keep your eye on and, and you're from member you are familiar with this guy Cole Holcomb, right at linebacker. A little underrated. I mean, he's not amazing, no, I love, but he's I a love solid me, linebacker. I love me some Cole Holcomb. I just like hearing his name. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Let's see. Uh, I got to pull up my Cole Holcomb PFF stats here. Yeah, he had a grade of 66.6 last season, which put him 35th, which is about m- middle of the pack. Slightly above a- uh, above average. A- out of 81 linebackers, put it that way. So. <laughs> No, I, I mean, I, I really do love me some Cole Holcomb. Man, he had a dog shit uh, <laughs> coverage grade in 2019, but it looks like he got better. I don't know. I just Cole Holcomb's one of those guys that was just on Washington for just long enough for me to be like, man, I like this guy a lot. And then he left to Pittsburgh, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to miss him. <laughs> yeah, they have a player like that for me too because Levi Wallace while he was in Buffalo. I was like, okay, 
kind of like, love me some Levi Wallace. And then last season, he went to Pittsburgh. Cole Holcomb is your just standard white guy playing middle linebacker. And that's yeah. even what his grades look like. It's like, oh, is this guy great out to? You know, average. Yeah. <laughs> white guy playing middle linebacker. Mm. All right, Mike. I'll give you an option here. I have two left. I have a two for one. So this is actually two bets in one. Okay. Or I have my longest odds bet. Which one do you right. want to go with? Let's go with the two for one. Save your longest for the end. Two, two for one. You'll like this. I have two bets, both of which I like. The Buffalo Bills to win the division at plus 120. And the Buffalo Bills to make the playoffs at minus 250. Now, I know that, like, your initial thoughts there are that both of those bets aren't super long odds, but they're just kind of gimmies. Like, Buffalo is maybe the second best team in the NFL, maybe the second best team in the AFC, could be the first best team in the AFC, could be the one seed, they're in the talk there. They're not losing the division. Like, Aaron Rodgers will have to play. He'll ha- he'll really have to turn back the clock. I mean, he's going to be pushing fucking 40 when the season starts. And he had his lowest passing grade in five years last season and his third lowest since taking over as a starter. I mean, I get that two years ago he won the MVP and I've been the number one flag bearer of the Aaron Rodgers just won the MVP. Maybe we shouldn't be counting him out. But there's also the other side of that where we fucking saw this with Peyton Manning. One season, Peyton Manning set the NFL record for passing touchdowns. The next season, Jamal Charles and the defense had to bail him out every single game. Maybe we've just seen the the yards, the mileage add up on Rodgers to the point where now he's going to fall off the cliff. Uh, second, if we're just comparing quarterbacks here in that division, we're talking about potentially the second best quarterback in the league, maybe the best quarterback in the league on a given game. Like, on a one-game basis, it's really not that big of a difference between Mahomes and Allen. It's just that Mahomes has the the overall success over Allen. 91.5 overall grade last season in what was probably a disappointing season for Allen. Uh, it's his second year with Ken Dorsey as offensive coordinator now, who had a really good start, and then something just went sideways. And Allen had the UCL injury in his elbow. It's just a lot of stuff went weird for Buffalo last season. But really, we're giving them plus odds to win the division? It's it's a little insulting. Yeah, I uh, you're basically like preaching to the choir here, <laughs> making my case. Uh, if I had to point out the biggest concerns in Buffalo, um, roster-wise, it's that inside linebacker position with the loss of Tremaine Edmonds um, and hoping our secondary bounces back. And while like, once again, yardage wise points wise, we're statistically a good defense, you know, our offensive line struggles to get pressure sometimes. And with your offensive line struggles to get pressure. uh, Sorry. Our defensive line and uh, edge rushers struggle to get home. My concern with the defense, like the biggest one on my list is that we were 32nd uh, graded in tackling last season. And that, that shows up on tape where, terrible tackling team so that has to get locked down but I think we're going to have a massive season offensively and a great bounce back year offensively with Ken Dorsey and some of the pieces we have um yeah I don't I totally think we're going to win the division I'm not not worried about the Jets not worried about the Patriots the Dolphins played us really hard last year but even if we split with Miami we're still winning that division I do also have to say that I really like uh 
the the diamond nickel package that the the Bills throw out there. I really like their secondary, and so I am big time in the argument of watch watch out for these guys. You're right, the defensive line isn't the strongest in the world, but I'm not worried as much about the linebackers. Leonard Floyd, Tyrell Dodson, Matt Milano being your top three linebackers. But that secondary, I think, is going to have a real big bounce back here. Tredavious White was a shadow of himself last season, but my adage has always been bet on the guy the year after the year after the injury. Trey White was coming back from an injury and has to take time to like learn to trust his, his legs again to not give out. But Trey White... Uh, Dane Jackson, Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, Kyrie Elam, Christian Binford. Like, that nickel and dime package is pretty damn good. Maybe underrated. I think uh, – I thought you said Dane Jackson. I fucking love me some Dane Jackson. He's another one of those guys. <laughs> uh, Christian Benford I really like, considering we got him in the sixth round. Hopefully Kyrie Elam gets it going. I think Tremaine uh, – uh, um, sorry, Trey White. White. Yeah, Trey White was just – coming back from that injury was struggling to get his confidence back that last stretch of the season last year. So I definitely expect him to get back. I think what happened with our defense last year is that, you know, we found out like cover two worked really well against Patrick Mahomes and the chiefs. And then we just like kind of committed to playing this very safe defense. And I think it kind of started to bite us in the ass. Um, So that's a big thing, but no, I'm all about this. I think, I think we're winning the division easily. I think we're in the fucking Super Bowl. If you can convince Josh Allen not to play hero ball and go back to checking down, especially with the back the the um the running backs room they have in there now, I think that this team could be super super effective at moving the ball, like incredibly efficient. On top of which, having Allen go run the ball, um, and just beyond that, like to go back to the odds for a second, Bills to make the playoffs is only minus two fifty. Like I would probably bet that all the way up to minus four hundred. Like what are the chances the Bills don't make the playoffs? It's such a good team. Like, it's such a strong team. This is a team that going into last season was the Super Bowl favorite. One way they cannot make the playoffs is something I will not say because I don't even want to put it out into the ether. What? You, Josh Allen injury? Is that your uh Don't your say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, a couple weeks ago when I did my top 10 running backs and we got on somehow like the Bills running backs came up. Or no. But that's when I was talking to about Ramondre Stevenson in New England. We kept calling Damian. We accidentally called Damian Harris Damian Pierce. I know. I, I <laughs> noticed I that. that. I noticed that when I was doing the edit for that, that yeah. we called Damian Pierce Damian Pierce and also Damian Harris Damian Pierce. And we're sitting yeah. there going, wait, do those guys have the same name? And I was like, yeah. that doesn't seem right. <laughs> and then you were like, oh, yeah, his first name's just spelled different. His last yeah, name is also spelled I went, different. I, I went to Google it and I just looked at the first name. <laughs> Fuck, we're idiots. That's what th- see this this just proves you don't have to be smart out a sports website. You just gotta pay the domain registration fee. And just believe in whatever you're saying. Yeah. All right, Mike, you wanna give me your last future bet as we yeah. now I believe have crossed the hour and a half threshold. Oh, yeah. easily. Easily breeze past the hour and a half threshold. So this one won't be a, a super long. So this is kind of a three parter. Like I it's a type of bet that I, I did wrote down three. And you can just kind of give me a yeah, yeah, or yeah. I'm okay. on them. So you said no parlays, but I still found a way to not do a parlay, but on FanDuel, you can do it as a single bet, uh, exact finish of a division, like the order. Okay. So I got three. That is kind of a parlay. (laughs) Kind of, but it counts as just like a straight bet. Uh, So AFC East, 
at plus 650, I'm going Bills, Dolphins, Jets, Patriots. What do you think? Bills, Dolphins, Jets, Patriots. I guess that my instinct would be to flip the Jets and uh, Dolphins. But I did also just spend 15 minutes ragging on Aaron Rodgers' old ayahuasca-y ass. So yeah. I, I, don't, I don't hate it because I have to stick with my priors. Um, but that my instinct is to say flip uh, the Jets and uh, Miami. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't remember the number, but the favorite, like the betting favorite for that one was Dolphins and Jets flipped. Uh, next, I got AFC North. This is plus 1,200. Wait, can I, guess, can I guess? So yeah. it's plus 1,200. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to guess you went Baltimore, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, Cleveland. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I I totally see. I feel like I had a bunch of shit written down about Baltimore. Did I forget. I, don't worry. I I have I have some Baltimore stuff coming up here in a second. Okay. Yeah, I did. They were one of my over unders, and I totally forgot about it. I think. Oh, uh, cool. We can hit them on it in a second because we I have a Baltimore bet too. My last bet's Baltimore, so we'll just do a Baltimore thing after this. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah. So I'll save it for that. And then my third one, which I think based on your Cowboys opinion, you won't agree with, but I did AFC, uh, NFC East plus 850, and I went Eagles, Giants, Cowboys, Commies. I mean, it's it's within a reasonable deviation, right? But fuck, I just don't believe in the Giants, man. Nah, I can't I can't take you up on that one. I uh, I don't believe in the Giants. I, like, I think my favorite so far is your AFC North. Yeah, I think, uh, and that was a similar thing where, like, the favorite for the East was just flipped eagles cowboys giants commies so yeah yeah i just don't trust the giants at all you got any other ones or that's it are you ready to just blow the the ravens for a few minutes yeah <laughs> let me uh let me hear your bet so then i can one up it oh okay there it is uh i took the ravens over 10 and a half at minus 102 okay let me tell you my bet and then we can just go back and forth and talk about how great the ravens are Mm-hmm. Um, so that must be juiced. I assume that's juiced to the under then, like minus 118 to the under. Uh, yeah. I yeah. took the Ravens to be the number one seed at plus 850. Ooh. I don't hate it, especially at those <laughs> odds. I don't yeah. hate it. I mean, uh, let me, let me give, let me tell you what, uh, what we're looking at schedule wise for them. Okay. So obviously AFC North is a tough division. Uh, as we previously stated, there's arguably four playoff teams in it. But here's the thing. They also get the AFC South and the NFC West. So that means that they're playing the AFC South and they're playing the Cardinals and Rams. That's that's a pretty good schedule. Um, also, Todd Monken coming in as the offensive coordinator. They finally got fucking just run the ball ass Greg whatever his name is out of there. Greg Roman out of there. Yeah. And replace him with Todd. I'm going to set the world on fire with the Georgia Bulldogs with Stetson Bennett playing quarterback Monken. Um, while I don't love their cornerback group after the Marlon Humphreys injury, they still do have the number one graded safety in the NFL. Uh, Mike, could you tell me that safety's name? Mike and I uh... set you up for this and then just fucking whiffed. I did. Who is it? Kyle Hamilton. Ah, oh, fuck my boy. Yeah. He, he did. He finished last year the number one graded safety. Number one graded safety. Let's fucking go. He was underdrafted. I just talked about this boy so much. I watched him for four. I'm sorry. I won't go into it, but I fucking love that. I wanted the commanders to take him real bad. Oh, me too. And uh, then they are the fifth ranked offense by PFF. 
Wow. Mike, your statistics, your arguments for your over. Yeah. So last season they went 10 and seven and it was like a down year for them where things just would not go right. I think it was like early in the season where they had a crazy stat where they lost like three games by three points. Like it was just wild. And they're now going to have a healthy Lamar. Hopefully Dobbins and Edwards can stay healthy and get it together. This team was graded second by PFF in pass block and run block last year. They got a good line. Um, good defense the offensive numbers despite what felt like a bad year were still good uh eighth easiest schedule going to what you said houston tennessee arizona la plus two games against the steelers and browns i think they're as much as i do like the steelers to make me a wild card they're better than both those teams yeah absolutely so i think they could easily go four and zero in that stretch and then you're already at nine wins based on the games i pointed out and then they also have detroit jacksonville and seattle on the schedule which yeah there's competition there but i think that baltimore can win those games so 10 and a half i think they easy get easily get to 11 i think they're a threat to the Bengals, um for that division especially if burrow misses a few games which i'm not really sure where we're at with that uh and like you said at 850 that's a long shot bet i would at least take because i see a universe where lamar comes back full of piss and vinegar ready to wreak vengeance and havoc on this league I, I, it's so funny. I looked at all of this stuff with the Ravens offense and the Ravens defense and their projections and their draft and all that kind of stuff. Didn't even look at Lamar's statistics. I also thought Lamar had a down year. Uh, 85.2 overall grade, 72.3 passing grade, 92.6 rushing grade. Second best rushing grade amongst quarterbacks in the NFL. Who, who's number one? Uh, Patrick Mahomes. No, it wasn't. No, it's Josh Allen. <laughs> you got right. Seventeen yeah, touchdowns to only seven interceptions. I mean, it really did. I really did think it was a down year for Lamar, but it it just wasn't. Yeah, and his weapons got better passing wise. Like they added Zay Flowers in the draft. Fucking they signed love Zay o- Flowers. Yeah, they signed OBJ. We'll see what he has left in the tank coming back from this injury. And then, I mean, if Rashad Bateman starts living up to his his hype when he was drafted, like that could be a really good wide receiver core. Yeah, and they still have Mark Andrews, despite the fact that he volleyball pass a couple touchdowns last season and they have Isaiah likely who's like the most lauded backup tight end in the history of the NFL Uh, I mean you know their offensive line sure has taken some hits in previous years but they also still do have John Harbaugh how many seasons has it been now that CJ Mosley has been in New York two (sighs) I think so I can double check yeah the point I'm trying to make is that they lost CJ freaking Mosley, a very good linebacker, and just kept ticking at like on defense. Yeah, I like like I said, the three seasons. Um like I said, the my biggest concern is simply that he that they, they lost Marcus Davenport and have a pretty weak cornerback room. Like here I can pull up their corners here real quick and we'll play a quick game. Alright, Mike, this uh this game is a simple game. I'm going to read you cornerbacks on the Ravens' depth chart, and you tell me if they are a starter or a backup. Cornerbacks on Ravens' depth, go. All right. Daryl Worley. Starter. Backup. Ronald Darby. Uh, Backup. Correct. Fourth string, which is surprising. Rocky Asin. Oh, he's starter. Starter, Marlon Humphrey. He's starter. Jalen Amore Davis. Backup. 
I think he's like their Nickelback starter, but yeah, he's technically oh, okay. his backup. But you kind of get the idea, right? Like mm-hmm. it's it's guys you haven't heard of. It's not the best people in the world, but they still do have some of the best in the world in Mark Andrews, Lamar Jackson, and the kick god Justin Tucker. I like obviously like if you want to take their over, if you want to take them to win the division, those are good bets. I just love the value at plus eight fifty for them to be the number one seed. Yeah, I totally agree. I got yeah. I think we've been pretty heavy in like our own personal talks and and other smaller talks on our podcast talking up the potential for a big time Ravens rebound. Yeah, I mean, especially Zay Flowers, I'm over the moon on. I don't know why. I just fucking love that guy. All right, Mike. Any uh, any other thoughts? Oh, here's a here's another good wide receiver on their team, Nelson Aguilar. Um, <laughs> any other thoughts we, before we uh, get out of here? Today? You doing the unlike Aguilar thing? <laughs> so we just started catching them, unlike Aguilar. <laughs> <laughs> so it is the most Philly fucking thing ever that that guy was saving babies from a burning building and took the time to insult Nelson Aguilar. <laughs> so good, like Aguilar. Oh, I think I'm gonna go ahead and uh, we'll talk about the software. Okay. Um, all right. Any any last thoughts? We just uh, finished up our currently sitting at uh, cool hour and 46-minute podcast on over-unders. No, but I'm going to – can I put you on the spot real quick? Uh, let's see. In about a month or a month and a half from now, can we do the same pod for either NBA or NHL? Fuck it. Let's do it for both of them. Fuck yeah. More bonus pods coming your way. Thanks to me, people. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make this into one pod. I might have to split it, but we'll see, you know? No. Oh. Uh, it's not quite long enough to split. It'll be one pod. It'll be one pod. It'll be all be one thing. Last thing I want to say, Stephen A, keep my <laughs> wide receiver's name out your fucking mouth. My throat's all scratchy from talking all day and been sitting here yelling about football, and uh, I was just so exhausted. You just gave me <laughs> enough energy to record a whole other pod. 